All right, we're here on the pre-show. We have guests tonight. We have John and Cindy, right? That's right. Yes, I remember. Good. Uh, <laughs> uh, they are, um, John's a long-time listener of the show. He lives in the D.C. area. He's helped us out at Saver before. And um, they're in town for a conference. And When we were still doing Saver. Yeah, yes, uh, back in the good old days. Yeah. And uh, he wanted to know, uh, I think he wanted to go out or something like that. And I said, he wouldn't be on the show. So... Sure. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so you haven't had this beer. This is Fathead's Headhunter, uh, which is one of my. Don't worry, it's always happens. Show. <laughs> I, I, you guys can uh, split that bottle. I got a second one over okay. here. Well, remember pacing. This is Fathead's was a restaurant tavern here in Pittsburgh, and then they when they opened a brewery, a brew pub, they opened it in Cleveland. Uh, oh. I don't know if Ohio is better for that, um, but they opened in Cleveland and have gotten bigger. But uh, they won uh, a gold and a silver in the IPA category at GABF with this beer, oh, like cool. two out of three years or something like that. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I love this beer. And it used to be, when they only had the brew pub, it was one of those white whales that you could just couldn't find. It was never on. When it came on, it sold out right away. Mm. And then when they opened... Yeah. And when they um, opened their production brewery, they just make a ton of it. And, you know, like when they first hit Pittsburgh, like it hit Pittsburgh hard. You could get it like 24-7, 365. And they're like, holy, like such a good beer. At least I think so. So I usually have case of this in the fridge because it's oh, nice. it's like my everyday so do you do, do you toast we can toast right. to to craft beer <laughs> radio <laughs> dot com cheers um the thing is like the beer distributor where I go to beer distributor is the retail store where you can buy cases yep. um in Pennsylvania and um it's not always the freshest, and sometimes like Heather will go and you know they forget to check the, the date codes because it's just an exciting thing when yep. you're at a beer store. It's hard to be disciplined enough to check the date codes all the time. So like the last case we had was only a month old, and it wasn't nearly as good as this one, which is about a week and a half old, two weeks wow. old. Wow! Uh, so that's no, fantastic. It's a month old. It's, it's September 11th. Oh. Is this one September? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay, okay, so it's three weeks so old now. Yeah, so almost it's, a month. It's it's shocking how quickly this beer can go from amazing to just pretty good mm-hmm. in about a month. Um, and I think that if if nothing else, the the trend of hazy IPAs and stuff like that has also brought with it a trend of fresh, and that has really changed the way that people are looking at beer. I think. So when I was, um, Heather went to Whole Foods and picked up these beers for me mm-hmm. when I was at work yesterday, or, yeah, yesterday, and was going through it, and we were looking for pounder cans or bigger bottles, just so we didn't have to have, you know, skimpy things with right. four people on, and um, Needy Brewing had their Breaking Bud there, and I think we had it once, but I'm like, let's try that again, and I had her check the date, February, mm-hmm. oh. an IPA from February at Whole Foods. So what's the oldest that you've had this? The oldest? 
It's hard to say. The oldest, Heather, <laughs> Heather wanted to surprise me with a sixth of it. <laughs> and she forgot to check the date code because she was so excited, excited. to surprise me with a sixth of it. And it was, so that was, she bought that in, let's say July. And it was a February. It wasn't very good. Yeah. Wow. I was going to say, like, <clears throat> so it's it's funny because I think this is true with wine too. I know this is a beer podcast, but I'm a huge wine person. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> and when she's it, a certified wine person. Oh, amazing. Cool. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. it goes bad, it goes bad fast. Yeah. Right? So you, you get this, there's a, there's definitely a tipping point, but after that tipping point, it's very quick. It's very true with wine. It's very quick that it just, erodes into something pretty awful mm-hmm. and it, sometimes you can't smell it right away you have to taste it or look at it and it's it's real funny how that works but i think i'm assuming beer is somewhat of the same way because it's essentially the same kind of makeup largely but I, there's there's different ways the beers can go bad and like for example a lot of these are not the the, the, the ones that we are really consistent about age really drink fresh are the hoppy ones uh, but other beers can last a long time, years. They can go without a problem. Right. Um, when they do go bad, and it tends to be mostly because of oxidation. And that can kind of split it in two different ways. It can go cardboardy and, f- and flat tasting, or it can even get like sherry notes and get kind of interesting. Yeah, but we've had um, Brook- is Brooklyn's Chocolate Stout, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Black, that. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so yeah, it's called black chocolate stout. Black but chocolate there's stout. no chocolate in it. So if you were thinking like, oh, the chocolate's gone, it's spoiled. It's it's a historical name for imperial stout from England. Black chocolate stout is kind of a synonym for imperial stout. Doesn't oh, okay. really mean chocolatey or anything. Yeah. Well, particular. I think it has chocolate notes, and it, it does. also pairs very well with a chocolate <clears throat> yeah, cake or dessert. But 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 it's but that beer uh, is very stable. Yeah, that will last a long time. Yeah. I just meant the name for that yeah. specific beer is a historical name and not necessarily well said. indicative of what you should expect to taste. But there's chocolate there malt is, in it, which is yeah. chocolatey tasting mm-hmm. malt, and right. um, and there are definitely stouts that use chocolate, Wait, which is which is just roasted to a, a certain mm-hmm. yeah. color We're, or or level, I guess. Right. There's that? probably a lot of people that have like rogue chocolate stout, which is like super chocolatey, right? Like with real chocolate added and then they'll maybe see, actually use Hershey's and then they'll see Brooklyn black chocolate stout and maybe be looking for something right right and it's not right it it's it's a straight up imperial stout with any kinds of chocolate in there just from the malt you know so you know that's just that sound like I'm beating a dead horse that <laughs> you know, yeah so. no but that stout uh, really predates the idea of those other I, I don't want to say adjuncts because yeah but, but you know, other thing adding those things to beer uh, when Brooklyn started doing yeah, that, it was that one age is pretty well. Strong and dark are two things that help beer age. Yeah. The thing that would make black chocolate stout age better is if it was bottle conditioned and actually had some yeast in there to kind of. When you have a bottle conditioned beer with yeast in there, it they're like maintenance workers. They keep the beer tuned up and mm-hmm. it doesn't stale as quickly. Mm-hmm. Things like that helps with oxidation. Where if you put a filtered beer into a bottle, even if it's a 12% imperial stout it typically wouldn't age as well because you don't have those maintenance workers in there taking care of the oxygen that's diffusing through the cap and things like that so I like that that's a good way of putting it it is a good way the maintenance <clears throat> workers yes so what what are the hops in this 
I'm not sure if they announced if they announce them. I, I think I they've they changed the formula because this year when I've had it, I noticed it's a lot more tropical. There's more mango flavors than it used to. So, um, yeah, like this like pine, I don't get that piney. Yeah, this flavor. case in particular, um, I'm not tasting it today, but you know, it's September 11th, so it's a little, it's like I think there's maybe one bottle left of that case. Uh, when we first got the case, we bought it. Oh, here, here are your hops. Um, according to the website, uh, Columbus, Simcoe, and Centennial. Oh, that seems odd. It, Th- that's not really, yeah, a that tropical doesn't, build. doesn't typically bring with it yeah i mean that makes that that kind of fits with what i used to think the mm-hmm. beer tasted like but this year it seems like more mangoes shining through so it might be old information or i'm just yeah maybe i'm also getting you know my palate is better at picking out the tropical things and i'm like even though it's maybe not as prevalent in I mean, I can definitely taste the simcoe that's the sort of mm-hmm. sulfury green onion note right yeah because i remember mm-hmm. weyerbacher for years, that was yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I can recall that there's a little bit of a memory there that so that makes sense. Uh, the Columbus is probably almost entirely bittering, and Centennial is um, kind of grapefruity in that range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are typical what you get from those hops. Yeah, I get a little bit more uh, citrus or some fruit mm-hmm. hops than than just the centennial i think i, I think you're do you think that do you think they change up the uh the hops based on what's available in the market i uh, think probably i mean the, the nice the interesting nice not so nice i don't know what how you want to call it but the interesting thing about beer being an agricultural product is they do have to sometimes change the recipe and as long as they're not budweiser and trying to make it the same everywhere then yeah things change based on what's available i think they make so much headhunter i think a beer like this one they have enough hops on contract that they're able to make all the headhunter with what they intend to make it with um but if their particular farm maybe produces a simcoe that is not the same right. as it was last Simcoe year. Simcoe might not taste the same year to yeah, year and right, things like right. that. Right. Either, they, either they have to swap something out or they, they find could, that something, and, yeah, something's more economical and they can come up with a pretty similar... Part of the brewer's profile. art is um, figuring out what the year's hop harvest acts like and adjusting proportions to try to make the same beer. You know, so... Um, yeah, I don't know. To me, this is... Especially when it's fresh, it's getting more tropical than I remember it used to be. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm more in tune with my tropical side, with all the you know the um, mosaic and galaxy and stuff like that out on the market. That I'm you know I, I maybe I invent those flavors or notice those flavors as like the thing I'm looking for. So that's the thing yeah. I pay attention to. It's definitely like two shows ago we did a blind show and we love doing oh, those yeah. because those are so. It, those are so interesting when you don't have any of your you don't have any guideposts you're gonna go wild and you have no idea what it is you're tasting until you get something uh we, we have gotten better at it over the years but we're still not like amazing at being especially able to pick out right like away. so this one was this one had an extra gimmick apparently i didn't post it i thought i posted it like two weeks ago and max and, and greg's like when are you gonna post that show uh i had heather take max out to the beer store and told him to pick the beers so whatever an eight-year-old thinks is interesting. So clown, clown shoes for sure. <laughs> he didn't get. He uh he the one he finished. He sat here the entire night because he wanted to go for the last spear. And Heather told him it had to be the last spear because it was the dogfish uh, ghost no, pepper. No, uh, not, not dogfish. Uh, flying dog, flying, flying dog. dog ghost pepper beer. 
Oh, wow. Or the scorpion, <laughs> scorpion pepper. Yeah, yeah the Trinidad pepper. scorpions. Oh, my goodness. I have not it, seen it. It wasn't, it wasn't, like, hurt you hot. You know, it's not going to be in a beer. Um, he was upset that it wasn't, like, we, did, we didn't react. <laughs> like, oh, my God, I'm dying. <laughs> That's nice. I, I, he love, said I whole, love you, Daddy. Here, burn your mouth. <laughs> he waited the whole show, and he was a little upset that we didn't over, we didn't have yeah. pain from the scorpion pepper beer. <laughs> <laughs> funny. It was it, it was it was fun though. But what was the one that we got? We got one at least like really wrong. It was the Jolly Pumpkin, the Calabaza Blanca. I think. Yeah, was that what we were calling like a heifer or something? It's not like we were calling it a heifer. It was a oak aged, um, like Belgian strong. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, if you do a blind show, it would if you want to if you want to be right. You need someone to pick you beers that are kind of representative of the style. Right, right. Right. But I don't necessarily want to be right. No, the, the so, fun is is getting shown, what? This is what right. beer? But the thing and, is, you know, once so we had a, I had, I had Heather put two different envelopes in front of us. One was the style of the beer. So we revealed the style before we revealed the beer. So we tasted blind. <clears throat> and like, oh, this tastes like a Hefeweizen. Oak aged Belgian something. <laughs> okay. Taste, taste, taste. Oh, now I taste the Chardonnay type oak type things and stuff like that. And then, you know, then we reveal the beer. So I, I liked having that mid reveal mm-hmm. to kind of, okay, here's what we taste with our expert, not expert palates. <laughs> and then here's what we taste when we're looking for what we're told, you know, so. Yeah. I was looking because you mentioned your your uh, wine expert. I was looking at any of these to see if any of these were Brett beers mm-hmm. because I know Brett is persona non grata in the wine business. But it it is. But it's funny because you have to taste a lot mm-hmm. to understand what you're tasting to know that it's bad. And that's yep. You know, so blind tasting. I always think blind tasting is fun no matter what. And for me, I'm always questioning. You know, am I it? smells like a Chardonnay from California, am I right? You know, and it's funny, over time you get better at that. And I think in the wine industry, it's a little bit easier than in beer because there's so many different elements of things. And it's I think you have more flexibility because you've got less time when you make the beer. Plus, the ingredients change over time. And mm-hmm. in the wine industry, you're very much about consistency. So, but but it's it's fascinating to go through that process. But you have to taste a lot of bad wine to know how to pick it out early so that other people don't taste it. Right. Mm-hmm. So so here's a question for you. Like I, I I've heard the same thing that Greg just said, right? Where, you know, Brett is a fine yeast to use in beer, but like in a winery it's like bad. Like you like burn the barrels, like, you know, move to a new state, you know, that's how bad it is. Um is Bretted wine just all around awful? Mm-mm. No, no. no okay. There are some wines where you intend to have the, a little bit of the Brett in there. Hmm. Um, that just like um, there's wine when you make true, really good sweet wine, you let the grapes almost rot, and they call it noble rot, and then mm-hmm. you go through a process where it's I wouldn't call it ice wine because that's a specific type of wine, but the, the grapes really shrivel up and they get so concentrated. And they look like they've rotted and they're past their prime, but the intention is to make a sweet wine that isn't sugary sweet. It's sweet with with more like nectary. Okay. Uh, and the same is true with Brett. There are certain wines where the intention is to, to let the yeast go to that 
off-putting point, and it actually enhances the wine. Okay. So I've never tasted any of that. I've only tasted the bad version of Brett. Okay. And, and it has helped me identify Brett in a beer, which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. cool. I, yeah. I get the sense that the Brett is, uh, as a wild yeast, it's it's not easily controlled. So so the yeast, just like in beer, you want your yeast to produce you want your yeast to be controlled so that you can produce a consistent product mm-hmm. and you know yeah. what you're going to get out at the end. And I think that, uh, you know, I don't know, but I imagine that it can overpower whatever yeasts you normally have and, and in a sense, corrupt them. And then, you know, you're, you're you know, you're, you're producing in a very large vat. Yeah. So, I mean, your entire production is dependent on what you're doing in a, in a big tank and then you yeah. put in barrels. Uh, you know, for beer yeast and most of the wine yeast too, they've been selected for hundreds or thousands of years, right? So they're the thoroughbreds, right? They're very predictable. They do the same thing in and out. They do it quick, you know. Ever since beer and wine has become commercial, there's been a pressure to do something that finishes quickly, you know, things like that, right? So, you know, those have been selected for much longer than Brett or other wild cultures, you know, t- to be consistent and strong. And, yeah, we see that with Brett and beer all the time. But there are controlled Brett cultures, right? I mean, there, there, there are. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's not like you're rolling the dice, but you can see the variations if you use Brett in the primary, if you use it in the secondary. Yeah, that to yeah, me is, is the, the really interesting thing where if you ferment on totally Brett, you get a different character than if you just add bread to the fermentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you do a, IP, like Victory's, um, it's Hop Devil with bread. What do they call it? Um, Hop Devil with bread. Brett Devil? No, it's not. It's Wild Devil. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wild Devil, yeah. yeah. You know, that's a primary fermentation on bread, and it's not that funky. It's a little bit no. different, but it doesn't get like barnyardy or leathery or funky. It's, it's surprisingly clean. Because they just put it in for two weeks and then they, you know, move it off the bread and, um, you know, so you can you can use it like with more versatility than you know the Saccharomyces, where if you want your bread to give you that more wild, funky taste, you know, inoculate it in the barrels and have it, you know, sit there for a long time. As long as we're telling yeast stories, <clears throat> my favorite was the one uh, from when you helped. East End make their kvass, which is this uh, Russian bread beer, uh, right? They use... Yeah, so, I mean, real kvass is um, like the street day drink, right? Where you kind of take hot water, throw bread in it. it the gravity is like super low. It spontaneously ferments and gives you this oh. tangy, starchy drink, right? It's um, the one East End made, you know, because of certain... TTB rules and stuff has to have malt, has to have hops, and yeah, it has to be you know good to sell. So, um, <laughs> remember Heavyweight Brewing Company out in New Jersey? Uh, they closed up around two thousand four. No, I don't remember them. Sorry. Okay, um, when they were when they were closing up, they had like one last weekend. It was called Drink Heavyweight Dry, and uh, Scott Scott from Eastern Brewing and I went out there and. Yeah, great. Spent the night at the brewer's house and whatnot, and in the morning over toast because he was also a bread maker at the time, so <laughs> homemade toast. Um, Scott invited him out to come make a beer, and basically Scott gave him corn blanche, like whatever you want to make. He's like, whatever I want to make, can it be weird. It's like, yeah, it can be weird. Like, <laughs> how about kvass? 
like what's kvass you know and so that's that's how it started so it came out and i went down to Quafork that day to to witness you know probably the first kvass made in north america huh wow um, at least at least a production scale yeah, yeah. And yeah, not home. I think you said they pitched like a packet of oh. just one packet it was, of like yeast, like flesh. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> that's it. It, it was one of the um, like cubes, like uh-huh. the, like. So it wasn't like a grocery store white star packet, mm-hmm. but it was like this cube of packed yeast. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> yeah. That was just the sound. Just like that. Just like that. Weighed about five thousand pounds, and so that was for how many gallons? I mean, like a lot. It was ten, ten barrels, I guess. Still, I mean, it's, yeah. like, it's a tiny amount of yeast. Yeah, normally I mean, that you know, red yeast, Saccharomyces, you would pitch. I don't know, a gallon of yeast or something like that, or more to ferment it out. Yeah, a gallon. Yeah, I, I, maybe even more. It's our. I, it's been so long since I've really helped a brewer, <laughs> and especially on the pitching side. So. Hmm. But yeah, it was just like this little cube yeast. Bloop, that's, and like, and Tom was like, "Yeah, that's all you need." Wow, <laughs> that's that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> so what's that? What does that taste like? Uh, uh, lemony, wheaty, tangy. Not very strong. Is it three point something? Does it? Does it? Yeah, have it's a lot of a lot of fizz. It was forced uh, carbonated. Yeah, so I super, mean, it was, oh, I mean, it, it was definitely uh, in today's world be normal, right? It was, it was, it was so murky because yeah. of all the starch. Because they uh, they ordered, I forget how many loaves, 200, 300 loaves from a local bakery of stale, like like brown brown, and then we were ripping up the loaves and throwing them in the brew kettle, in the brew kettle. Wow! Oh my gosh! That would have been great to have a video of that. Yeah, that would be worth. Should have made a documentary about this. That would have been great. The first I, kvass. I, the first uh, American kvass. There's the a, last, there's the a, last beer. <laughs> there's, I think there's probably a Craft Beer Radio Extra. Wow. Really? I think I, I think I recorded wow. for that one. So I, the audio. Oh, you'll have, have to, to hear, archives. you know, like 28-year-old Jeff talking about yeah. that. Let's yeah. Well, let's he's, go to the archives. His voice sounds like this. We should talk about this on the show, that this article I was reading in ours about... Scientists are now implicating hops in exploding bottles. I don't know if you read this, but hops are oh. not as inert as uh, brewers. This is they a were. good story. I have a story about exploding hops, exploding beer. Please. Well, uh, I what was the what was the brewery? Oh gosh, there was a brewery down in Hampton, Virginia, that um, it wasn't it's not old dominion that's mm-hmm. the one that budweiser and whoever and miser bush bought um geez the name well it's probably good i don't remember the name but anyway there was this brewery and i went down and bought uh a couple six pa- i guess i bought a case of porter and was it wild goose no no, no. uh i have to let me look it up uh but but anyway uh so i you know it's it's uh, the springtime, and it's not hot or anything. Uh, not terribly hot. It's you know not cold. It's, it's temperate. And I left this in my car at the hotel overnight. And the morning I came out, and two of the bottles had exploded. And another one exploded as I was... Well, it didn't explode. It just sort of right. came apart. The bottle cracked in half. Uh, and what a mess. I mean, there was glass all over my car. It, was, it must have been six-pack because it was in a bag mm-hmm. and the glass flew out because it was in a box. It would have been in the trunk, but uh, but a real mess. So I drove back, 
And, uh, you know, they're like, oh, that doesn't, that can't happen. I'm like, do you know about beer? <laughs> it's like, how can that, what do you mean it can't happen? And uh, so it was, not a, it was not a good, happen. it was not a good, uh, it was not a good experience uh, for me. They, they did replace it. I don't think we bought that beer anymore after that. No, no we did not buy that no, beer. No, that's, 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 that's a warning sign. Well, that's and like, it was a porter. I mean, yeah, it's one of three different things, right? Either they bottled it before it was done fermenting yeah. or they overprimed it. Or it had an infection mm-hmm. that right. could ferment it lower than beer yeast normally would, right? So it was one of those, and a lot to build up enough pressure to make the bottle explode. Yeah, and the residual bottles um, were pretty fizzy for a porter. It sounds like an infection. Was this a dry hopped porter? I don't recall the recipe, but it probably was not. So- because dry that's hop, what no. these researchers are pointing to, that dry hopping apparently oh, yeah, no, adds uh, enzymes that boost the activity of the dormant yeast hmm. and creates more uh, acceleration. Hmm. Hmm. So it causes, um, you know, bottle-conditioned beers with that are dry hopped to dry pop. Oh, that's another hop miracle. <laughs> Interesting. The immaculate fermentation. <laughs> So I guess we should move on to the main show, and uh, then we can continue talking about oh, all stuff beer. Look at that! I gotta look that bird. 